Start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. And I am your other host, Susan Fox. And with us is Mike Bryant, a.k.a. Kraken Not Stirred. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So, uh, yeah, uh, we were just talking before the show. Do we call you Kraken or Kraken? It's definitely Kraken. Definitely Kraken. Yes. You know, and, and you were saying that, that uh, people have trouble with the joke? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people don't get the joke, I think, because they see it, and their immediate thought is it's Kraken, and so they see Kraken not stirred, and it doesn't click that it should be Kraken not stirred, uh, sort of uh, pun on shaken not stirred. Yes, yeah. that James Bond thing. Well, is, they never, James saw, Bond they never yeah. saw Octopussy, apparently. No, I guess not. Well, there's your tie-in right there. Mm-hmm. Octopusy and Kraken and uh, yeah. it's, it's mm-hmm. so it seems so obvious in retrospect. It does, it so, does, but uh, a lot of people don't get it immediately, and you know that's okay. So you are uh, when I first saw Kraken not stirred, you know, I and it was music tracks and it was YouTube, and and I just assumed you were a a multiplayer uh, band, multi-person band, and you aren't. <laughs> And that was no, it's, this is all well, just so, you. I sort of am. Um, all the songs are written by a giant sea monster called the Kraken, uh-huh. and uh, he beams them through his incredible sonic powers into my head and, and makes me perform them. I see. Yeah, that that makes all the sense in the world. We have a yeah, just like any other band, really. We have a mm-hmm. DJ like that. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mr. Vestek of Mr. Vestek's Outpost has a space station in the outer rim and beams his signal. Uh, through a tachyon pulse into a satellite receiver orbiting Earth where it is rebroadcast no, to okay. our uh, land station. Okay, so you're a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist taking mm-hmm. dictation from the great Kraken from outer space. He's not from outer space. He's, he's at the bottom of the ocean. From inner space. Inner space, indeed. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say uh, of all the composers in the world, he has a lock on it. <laughs> I see what you did there. So, <laughs> and he writes in multiple keys. Oh, oh. so, so uh, our listeners will be familiar with your music because we've got like a dozen different of dozen different cuts of yours that we play in rotation. Excellent, you know, including "Brain in a Jar." And uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. What are your personal favorites? 
Um, that's certainly one of them. Brain in a tank. Oh, brain in, brain in a guy. tank. Right. <laughs> brain in a tank. My uh, my collab with uh, Mary Amber. I also I always seem to like whatever my most recent one is, which right now is Celacanth. Uh, um, I also like uh, Don't Blink, Don't Panic, Don't Feed Them After Midnight, and I like uh, Spaceship Interstitials. Um, I'm I'm proud of you know the vast majority of them. You should be. Well, thank you. How many how many times do you get to collaborate with other musicians? How often is that a thing? Not a lot. I keep thinking I should look into doing that more. Um, I've collaborated with Mary Amber uh, twice now. The one of them isn't out yet. And I'm currently working on a collaboration with a couple of uh, other Twitch musicians, um, Kenny's Prog Rock Jukebox and Firestone Rock's Drums. And mm-hmm. we're going to be doing a Rush cover together. Oh, wow. That's going to yeah. be great. Yeah, I hope so. So how long have you been doing this as a creek and not stirred? And where did you first get the idea? Um, how long have I been doing it? Since I think 2013 was when I started. So it's it's been longer than it feels like, I can tell you that. Uh, I was in an industrial metal band for a long, long time, and uh, I just found myself having music ideas that didn't suit that, mm-hmm. and um, kind of lyrical ideas. That, um, the other band, a lot of the lyrics had to do with like robot uprisings and things like that, which are just kind of things that are close to my heart anyway, <laughs> but some of it was, uh, some of my ideas I had were a little sillier, or some of the ideas that Kraken gave me, rather, were a little sillier, and um, so I uh, just kind of started doing that as a side thing and that uh, band fell to the wayside and uh, no longer exists and I'm just doing this now well and and writing I'm a novelist as well oh you are because I can't I can't just do one thing of, yeah. co- of course not what what have you been have you uh, published any of your work yet because I have. I, have I have a novel called Rose which is out from uh, Brain Lag Publications uh, it's brain-lag.com and um, it's uh, it's about a, an undead girl coming back she uh well it's about a woman who let me get my thoughts together (laughs) it's about a a woman who is um recuperating from a heart transplant when the donor comes looking for her oh oops (laughs) oh and it's a comedy and what that's wow (laughs) that's a great premise (laughs) thank you uh and hilarity ensues i mean hilarity well, that's the plan anyway. I guess you could be the judge of whether the hilarity ensues or not, but it's certainly what I was going for. Well, that's that's a terrific serendipitous discovery about you. I did not know you were a writer as well. Oh, well, now you know. Yeah, that's great. Are you working on a new one? I am. I have submitted uh, another one to Brain Lag, and I actually have uh, another one mostly done. Um, I know Brain Lag is uh, their backed up so uh, um, you know no offense to them but I've got this other one sitting there that I'm going to submit elsewhere um, Mm -hmm. just to see how it does well and uh, the publishing industry has fragmented so much I mean it's Mm -hmm. it's weird it's like uh, uh, the top publishers have all consolidated and now you've just got Bain and Tor and 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 Penguin Mm -hmm. you know which ate Random House Right, and, right. Uh, uh, you know, they're doing the, the corporate eating each other until there can be only one. And yet the rest of us who are down at the, the you know, down, down in the rest of the world are all self-publishing or, or publishing mm-hmm. through quite a diverse number of different um, small guys, small publishers. Yeah. And self-publishing is not the stigma that it once was. Not at no, all. No, it, it certainly isn't. When did you? Uh, when did the writing come into the mix? How long have um, 
relative uh, to the, the music. prose writing. Well, the I mean, I've been doing music since I was about 11 years old, and uh, I'd always kind of wanted to write a novel. So I guess around about the early 2000s was when I first attempted to write a novel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, I came up with my idea. I kind of did some character sketches and wrote out a point form and then said, OK, I'm going to sit down and write this. And I did. And it was done really fast. And I was like, that isn't right. And this was back in the day when the your word count didn't just appear at the bottom corner. You had to go look for it. Mm-hmm. And so I went and looked for it, and my word count was about 15,000 words. I went, okay, there's there's my problem. <laughs> so uh-huh. Uh-huh. it took a while uh, before I had something that was actually novel length, and then it took a while before I had something that was novel length that was worth sending anywhere. And then it took a while before I had something that was novel length worth sending anywhere, and the places I sent it thought it was worth receiving. So that's that's where Rose comes in. So that's my uh, my so first actual ah, uh, so that's published work. That's where it, that's where you finally reached critical mass. I guess yeah, it's where someone thought I was good enough to uh, spend their their money to publish me. Fifteen thousand words is not bad for a short story. It's not bad. That's it's a not long bad. short actually, story. Yeah, it's a long one. It's, it's a long short story. It actually did get published as a novella through a, uh, a now defunct small press that made like chapbooks. Uh huh. And uh, then I didn't have anything published for for a number of years before Rose came along. You, that first sale uh, is thrilling. You, you never forget that one. Uh. No, no, you really don't. Yeah. So, um, what kind of uh, instruments have you got? I, you've, like most hardcore musicians, you probably have a number of guitars. I do have a number of guitars. The guitar is my uh, my main instrument, um, as you can probably tell by listening to my music. Um, I have a couple of synthesizers, um, like hardware ones, and a lot of software synthesizers. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I own, only own one bass, because honestly, I really only need the one. And um, that's... That's about it. I've uh, the last few years, I've really been working on my my vocals, getting those to mm-hmm. a point where I'm not embarrassed by them. And I, I think that if you listen to Crake and Not Stirred um, chronologically, I'm pretty sure you hear an improvement. So <laughs> that's uh, that's good. I listen to it sometimes, uh-huh. and I go, I should re re record some of those old things. And then I think, no, I want to write something new. Yeah, you can rehash the past, or you know. Or you can just say, "Okay, that was me then. This is me now. Let's let's move forward." We'll save it for exactly. Your, save it for your comeback tour in fifty years. <laughs> <laughs> so, so of your guitars, which ones? Which one is the one that you reach for first? Oh, my my prime guitar is uh, a Paul Reed Smith Custom Twenty Two uh, from two thousand. Uh, I bought that. I was working a terrible uh, tech support job in the early days of the, the hamster powered internet, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I, um, Back when AOL was king and sending CDs everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the time. And um, I did not enjoy the job. And the company was all right, but I did not enjoy the job. And uh, so I printed out a picture of my dream guitar from the internet and stuck it on my cubicle wall. And whenever I had a particularly problematic customer, I would just look at the picture of the guitar. And I would put money aside every, every pay. And then one day I realized I had enough to get it. So I went to my local music store and ordered it and... Because uh, um, I had specific, one of the things with Paul Reed Smith is you can go in and you can say, okay, I want this model, but I want mm-hmm. these options. So I got the one I wanted, and several months later it showed up, and uh, and it's gorgeous. And um, so I would sit there looking at the picture on my wall, thinking, well, I have that. 
<laughs> I used to look at it thinking I'm working here so I can get this this beautiful instrument and now I'm sitting here going this beautiful instrument is at home and I'm not playing it so I took a sticky note and I wrote rent on it and stuck that over the guitar that'll do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I've got uh, I have four guitars myself the most recent acquisition is a semi-acoustic Firefly 335 oh nice you, you just bought that because it's Firefly and you know, <laughs> Serenity and you know exactly take my love take my land take my guitar exactly, yeah exactly. it's 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 the green one with the the racing stripe you know okay and uh, uh, it was his semi birthday present so he's very excited about so it I got still. a semi acoustic uh, mm. yep but uh, hundred and eighty five dollar guitar and oh my god it is mm. really really good yeah it's it's like uh, those fireflies are are like five or six times better than the price you pay for them. Yeah, uh, I went yeah. to went to Guitar Center and like the the eight hundred nine hundred dollar guitars are no better than that Firefly was at one hundred and eighty five dollars. Of course, you have yeah. to you know it's a mail order guitar. Sure. Uh, so you have to do the setup on it yourself. Yeah. Uh, but wow, is it an awesome awesome guitar? Yeah. It's an awesome instrument. That's great. Uh, yeah, I recently spent about one hundred and twenty bucks on a knockoff Strat from the internet, and. Uh, I thought, well, this is a risk, but I, I wanted a, a Strat-style guitar to get some of that uh, that jangly kind of, uh, you know, those twangy tones. Mm-hmm. And uh, it showed up, and yeah, it took a little little setting up, definitely needed new strings and everything, and I, I did end up replacing the pickups, but that wasn't a big deal. And uh, and I love it. I love it. And I'm like, this is, even with the pickups, it's still like under 200 bucks, and I like it almost as much as, as my much more expensive guitars. You know, that's that's very it's, cool. Now I mean, I, yeah. Now I want to hear and, it. Like when I when I started playing guitar, you, you didn't get that. If you wanted a good guitar, you had to spend a lot of money, and it just isn't the case anymore. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I think it's because of computer controlled uh, manufacturing. Yeah. That may very well be. Yeah. You know, because uh, now when they get it right, it's numerically repeatable. Yeah, and it, they're not handmade anymore. Mm-hmm. So what? Uh, which of your most recent songs did you use that guitar on? I used that on um, PSO J three one eight dot five dash two two, which is possibly the catchiest title uh, I've let's, ever written. Let's hear that one now. Sure, let's do that. PSO J three one eight dot five dash two two. PSO J three one.
one take to produce what was your inspiration for it oh well i was uh, looking through interesting bleh, let me try that again i was looking through interesting stuff on wikipedia and i came upon that and it is a as the song explains it's a planet that has no star it's just floating out in space and i thought that's pretty interesting and uh i just started thinking about that i thought that could make a a pretty cool song and i i just sort of started working with the title of it and came up with a way to chant it. And I thought, well, that, that can be fun. And I, I forced it to be something resembling catchy. <laughs> so I couldn't tell you how long it actually took. Um, I don't really keep track of that. Uh-huh. And I write a lot of songs. I'm usually writing four or five at a time. So it's kind of like, kind of like I make oh, an okay. EP and then put them out, put out the songs one at a time afterwards. So I don't know. The, the full recording was probably not more than three or four days. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I can't actually say for sure. What? Some take longer than others, obviously. Some just come right out of me, and others are uh, like pulling teeth. Well, it like your latest cut, Coelacanth. You know mm. that is, that's a bit of whimsy. I mean, it's it's it is. Uh, it's basically a scientific review or a. a mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a teaching song. As yeah, it's much a as teaching song. Yeah. It is. It's very just, similar to, to PSO J three one eight dot five dash two two. Not just uh, thematically, um, like they're both sort of science teaching songs, but they both got a little chanty bit. And um, I'm looking forward to being able to play live shows again and uh, pull those out and make the audience yell along. See, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Exactly. So, so were you uh, were you doing a lot of touring before the COVID thing? I've never toured as Kraken. I've played live shows, but they're sort of few and far between. Um, part of the problem is uh, I don't know if you've seen my live show there's uh, there's some live footage on on the interwebs but um it's it's a lot to set up it takes about two oh, hours okay. to set things up so if sometimes i get an opportunity to go play somewhere and i tell them it takes me about two hours to set up and they go yeah we'll get back to you and then they don't uh-huh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> which i get i get i mean no one wants to to deal with that and i understand and yeah i've played acoustic shows where i just sort of pull out an acoustic guitar and play some songs but it's not the same yeah, it's not the same. I like having I've got a, uh, a projection screen, and the Kraken shows up on the projection screen, and he he yells at people, he yells at me, makes fun of the crowd, that sort of thing. And Mary Amber appears, and we do Brain in a Tank, uh-huh. and um, things like that. So and you've got uh, that whole Windsor McCain Windsor McKay thing going with the uh, the Kraken, and you know the way he used to do with a dinosaur. Yeah, I, I'm unaware. I, I'm unfamiliar with that person. Um, oh, Windsor can, Windsor McKay, he was the 
one of the great 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 granddaddies of animation. This is like oh, okay. silent films, and when they were first, you know, like interacting between silent you know, film and you know animated and human people. And oh, and, okay. And he would go on stage and and tell people he was going to show them a dinosaur, and then he would introduce the dinosaur, and the dinosaur would walk out, you know, because it was oh, projected on the screen. I have seen that. Yeah, okay. yeah, and that's uh, uh, every cell animator in the world owes their owes their uh, way of life to him. Right, right. I was unfamiliar with the name, but I, I have seen footage of that. That was pretty cool. Uh-huh. He was and the s- same guy who invented uh, ca- um, Little, Little, Nemo. Little Nemo, the comic strip. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. It is It is definitely similar to that, reacting with the, uh, with the screen. I was actually sort of inspired to do that by the Star Trek experience in Vegas. Oh. That was an awesome thing, wasn't it? I missed it. Wasn't that. it? I never, when, I never got to go. And by it the was time, so much fun. By the time I was ready to go, they, I found they out they just, had closed. Just your, slammed the doors. Yeah, no. I never got to see it. And I went, I, with, I, I went I with some girlfriends, and one of them was like pathologically afraid of the Bork. So we got, you know, I <laughs> feel like I missed out on half the show. <laughs> right, right. But the walk around characters were the best parts, oddly enough, I mm. think, because they all were, they, they were real. They were, they knew yeah. who they were, and they, they interacted with you. Yeah. You know, as if they really were a Klingon or a Ferengi or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was that was great. I, uh, I mean, I went to Vegas for four days, and uh, that was my favorite part, which is how you know I'm a giant nerd. So uh, you're a giant yeah. nerd. I'm. I got to be part of the Star Trek club that that helped make up the menu items. Oh, nice. Yes, they got real giant nerds to make those up, and it was mine. Was the the um, was it onion rings of Beta Z? I think was mine. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't eat anything. Oh, okay. But I certainly had some liquids. Oh, we had the drink menu too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah they they had a pangalactic gargle blaster. They I did understand. not. They did not. They had the the warp core breach. Oh, they had the warp core breach. Right. Okay. That was there Dave. was a. <laughs> Dave was very to, excited when it showed up on the show. <laughs> there awesome. used to be a place in in Ottawa called uh, Zephod Beeblebrox, and it had a pangalactic gargle blaster. Uh, that's a okay. different. That's and, a different story. Yeah, and apparently uh, Douglas Adams actually was there and had one at one point. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, that had to make their year. Oh, my God. Right? What a dear man. Yeah, that place isn't there anymore, sadly, but that's I have to oh, neither is neither is Adams. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah neither is Adams. <laughs> yeah, well, that, but, that's uh, true. So you've been uh, obviously a nerd all your life? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it well, kind of... Hitchhiker's guy is probably before he was born, sweet. <laughs> yeah, <No>. well... <laughs> Nope, sadly no. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you sound young. Do I? Yeah, you sound like you're in your, uh, you know, late twenties, early thirties. You got the energy oh, let's, of, of. Let's that. go with that. Let's go with that. Yes, <laughs> shall we? Yeah, that's the ticket. No, I, yeah. I saw Star Wars in the theater before it was called A New Hope. Yeah, so did I. So <laughs> opening night, baby. Yep. Yep. Westwood Theater. Yeah. Yeah, it was the uh, the Marks Theater in Oshawa, Ontario. When when I saw it, nice. yeah, Westwood Theater in Los Angeles, and right. it was we were it was not a, we were not at the Chinese. It no, was, not everybody right. could actually go there. There's only so much room. Yeah, mm. and uh, uh, I remember, I remember that uh, it was it was one of those uh, twin theaters. It was a dual screen theater. This is before the days of the multiplex, mm-hmm. and the other screen was showing the car. Oh, nice. And I thought to myself, both of these films are debuting the same day. Oh, my God. I feel sorry for the producers of The Car. The Car. <laughs> Listen, they probably got some overflow from people who couldn't get into Star Wars. Yeah, probably. 
<laughs> just, just so it shouldn't be a total waste. The lines are were they? Did they have lines literally around the block to see it where you were? Uh, oh, for for Star Wars, yeah, 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 mm. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. The, the, the not not when I first went. The place was almost empty, and I went back like a, a week later, and yeah, just ridiculous lineup all the way around the block. I don't think everyone got in. They opened the balcony, which was super rare. Mm. Uh huh. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how it was in Los Angeles as well. You would go and and uh, you would go with friends with a full understanding that it was going to take you six hours to get into well, to is, see the two hour movie. This is where the line yeah. parties got started. I used to like bring mm. bring snacks for my friends, and you know, uh-huh. you know, I, I I helped participate in a pr- wedding proposal or marriage proposal on, on, nice. online for one of these. So, you know, the, the the line party's a thing. So mm-hmm. what movies inspire you, as long as we're on the movies, and steering the conversation back to you? <laughs> well, Star Wars was certainly the, the big one for me, um, as it is for uh, a lot of nerds my age, I think. I, I, I had seen other sci-fi stuff. I'd seen, you know, the classic Star Trek, and I'd seen Space 1999. But it was like, you know, you, you watch Star Trek, and you go, this is cool, but that's clearly a guy in a suit. Uh-huh. Right, with right. a zipper up his back, and uh, uh, and Godzilla is a guy in a suit with the camera pointing up at him with a and, zipper up his back. Right, and mm-hmm. Space nineteen ninety nine was marked down from twenty four ninety five, and everyone could tell. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, yeah. I watched that again recently, and it it wow, yeah. You know, not, to, not, not to not to diss the Space nineteen ninety nine fans because after Star Trek ended, it was all anybody had. It, it was, was the all only, there was. It was all there was. It was the only science fiction on television at the time. No, UFO. Yeah. Well, oh, UFO. Right. UFO, yeah. yeah. Well, um, <laughs> Remember UFO? Doctor Who, but um, not here yet. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, we got we got Doctor Who in the States. I remember it vividly. It was the fall of 1974 on public TV. Uh-huh. And I fell in love immediately because I needed a new obsession at that point in my life. Right, right. Now, was, I, that, I, was that John Pertwee? Yep. That, that's what, the first Doctor we got in the States was John Pertwee. Yeah, yeah. same here. Yeah. Same yeah. here. That was it. Was a little later when I found it, but uh, it was showing on uh, TV Ontario, which is sort mm-hmm. of the equivalent of PBS. Right. Yeah. And uh, anyway, um, yeah. So Star Wars obviously was was the big one for me. That kind of changed everything. I went to see that, and you know, the previous sci-fi, like I said, you looked at it, it was like, well, that's a guy in a suit, but it's cool. Whereas Star Wars was like, they went into space and found aliens and filmed this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was at the Hugo Awards in 1977. We had wow. already seen Star Wars when we voted, um, but it, but it, the the voting uh, qualifications were for movies that came out in 1976, and right. uh, it was voted no award that year with a standing okay. ovation. Right. <laughs> wow. Because because nothing that had happened in '76 held a candle. Well, you had. Let me just drag him out of my brain. Um, Logan's Run. I was going to say Logan's Run, yeah. Logan's Run. Carrie, which actually maybe should have won. And I can't remember the others. When was Silent Running? Um, year or two before. 72? 72. Was it that early? Okay. I want to say 73, but there, but earlier. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, and it was oddly advanced for its time. I think it was kind, it of, was. kind of the post-2001 uh, wave of... Mm. Putting some money and a little star power into it because you know Bruce Dern was a, was was a known quantity. Yeah, but the little 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 robots were the were you know stole the show. Huey, Dewey, and sure. Louie. Yep. Yeah, I loved those. I made. I was a kid at the time, you know, and I made. Uh, we were we were so poor we didn't have two sticks to rub together. And and, I, the, and you took those sticks and you made 
robots out of them. Well, my mom, <laughs> my mom brought home. Uh, I asked her to bring home uh, Manila folders for me because it was good card stock, and I could make card models out of it. And I used it to make a little model of Huey, oh. and it had. Uh, I I made him basically a little marionette, and uh, he could stand up and walk around. And made out made it out of cardstock. You know, when you got nothing, uh, imagination is your friend. Mm-hmm. I used to make uh, NASA probes out of like toilet paper rolls and cardboard and stuff. I would make models of them. Uh-huh. I bet you were good so, at that. I, I well, I don't know about that, <laughs> but uh, I made you know like Voyager and Mariner and stuff like that. Oh, that's just, cool. You know, hung them up in my room. Yeah, that's yeah. that's cool. That's that's the stuff. You know, mm-hmm. the just taking nothing and turning it into something. And it's yeah. one of the appeals of being a, a, a musician, a songwriter. Mm-hmm. You're taking r- literally nothing and making it into sound and then music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, just self-publishing ma- making a thing in exist. Ma- so, making a thing exist that didn't previously. Yeah. Is, uh, so when did you something first... Something there when, that still fascinates me. When did you first start that journey? I was six when I wrote my first song. Wow. <laughs> it, was not, wow. it was not very good because I was six. Uh-huh. But... Um, we had this like little it was a guitar it wasn't quite a toy but it wasn't an adult guitar either you know what I mean it was sort of somewhere in between you could tune it Uh and sort sort of of make noise with it one of those children's (laughs) models yeah yeah and I I guess it belonged to one of my older siblings I just sort of found it in the basement and uh, I wrote a little song called there's a palm tree in the yard and that's the not lyrics, something you see in Canada very often. Exactly, and that is the point. The, the the lyrics were literally: "There's a palm tree in the yard, but this is Canada. There's a palm tree in the yard, but this is Canada. There's a palm tree in the yard, but this is Canada. So why is there a palm tree in the yard?" And a, a few years ago, there was a sci-fi fantasy horror reading series here in Toronto that was it was monthly and it ran for several years. And they had a bunch of their sort of regulars or semi-regulars come out and read the first thing they had ever written. So it was these people reading their like horrible goth poetry and things like that for right. teenagers, uh-huh. and uh, horribly, horribly embarrassing. But you know, everyone was embarrassed, so it was all right. And I brought out my guitar, and I played. There's a palm tree in the yard, and I was like, "Here's you know, here's the original version." It was like you know, like three notes, like just a single note on the highest string. Then I was like, "So I I adjusted that a little, made it you know new, and I played it with you know full proper chords, and and made it you know in a in a key." <laughs> and, uh, and so I played played it again, and then I was like, "Now everybody in the whole crowd sang along with me," and it was a it was a fantastic moment. That's awesome. And was that was that the beginning of it? Was that when you realized, "Hey, I'm a songwriter. People, people like this." Well, well this was um, I was well into writing songs. Oh, okay, by, okay. By the point I performed that. No, he didn't um, do that when he was six, sweetie. Oh, well, <laughs> no, no, no. I no, this realized was just a few that. years ago. I was. I was sort of a, I was a regular at this series. I would go and ah, see it, but I would uh-huh. also read stuff and I would sometimes perform Kraken songs. So, and, um, uh, have, have you done any, uh, conventions recently uh, or is the COVID thing still too much of a problem? COVID still too much of a problem. I have uh, some medical issues that prevent me from, from risking it at this point. Uh-huh. And I hear I'm hoping you. that by, by like next spring, um, I should be okay. Once it sort of becomes a little more endemic and, and getting it doesn't mean that I'll be, you know, possibly dead. I'll, uh, right. I'll get back out at it. Um, San Diego Comic-Con is run, as we mm. speak, they are down in San Diego Comic-Con, mm-hmm. uh, in San Diego with their super spreader event. Yeah, and we we're not, not to go. Yeah, we just San had, Diego uh, COVID-Con. 
Yeah, we, we, just, we just had Anime North up here, and uh, I was in, invited to that to have a table, and I just even masked, because masks were mandatory, but even masked, I'm like, it's just too much of a risk for me right now. Like, you, you do you, but I, I can't. Yeah, right. we're, we're planning on, like, one convention this year, and that's only because they asked us. Yeah, they yeah. they we kind of have to go to this one because they made of guest they made us guest of honor. So <laughs> right, we're, right. we're, we're fan gu- we're fan guest of honor, and the author guest of honor is Tanya Huff, who's like okay, like Canada's big contribution mm-hmm. to fantasy and, and yep. fantasy and science fiction. Wow, we yeah. love her book. I love her books. We're we're in good company then. We, I, I did not uh, realize. I'm gonna have why to do you think I'm binge? Why do you think I'm binging on them? Because I'm very excited. <laughs> no, that's cool. I I need to read some of her stuff too. And just so that I don't come off as a complete imbecile. Mm. <laughs> That's okay. I'll, I'll bake butter tarts and it'll all be better. <laughs> Old butter tarts. <laughs> mm, butter tarts. So, so what, do you, you say you've got like four or five songs generally in your head all at once, you know, in production? Well, at, at least in my in my Cubase rig <laughs> all at once. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the secret's out. That's your digital audio workstation, Cubase. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been using Cubase since uh, since the Atari in like 1989. Goodness. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll stick with it next time. I have to upgrade. Um, Ableton I, I, is really really good. Expensive though. Yeah, I've never I've never used it. I, I well, no, I used an early version of it, so I, I don't know what it's like currently. But I remember it was all about loops at the time, which was not really what I need. Not anymore. No. No, okay. No. I mean, it, so, it's uh, it it can do them, but mm-hmm. uh, its multi-track capability is nothing short of phenomenal. And it okay, it, uh, it has the equivalent of a digital patch bay that allows you to manipulate sound in ways you can't even imagine. Okay, it's, I can imagine quite a bit. It's ex- <laughs> yeah, it's extremely powerful, and uh, I think my biggest problem with it is that. Uh, its ability to reliably talk to my MIDI instruments is uh, I well the version and they must have fixed it by now but the version I have uh, from five years ago is pretty dodgy there mm. it's it tends to forget how to talk to the instruments well what's the point of to, it like e- external MIDI instruments yeah yeah I, I don't external know if that's um, I don't know if that's Ableton so much as just MIDI um, and I love MIDI but there's something about more recent computers and uh midi hardware that has always been a little dodgy if you go back to huh. the the uh like the ataris and stuff they seem fine hmm. they would always th- that would be great but as as well back when uh, back when midi ports weren't virtualized yeah yeah exactly and i think that's no. got something to do with it there's apparently a new midi standard coming out soon so we'll see if that changes anything and it is backwards compatible midi three uh, is it three now yeah. yeah i think it's three yeah, but apparently it's a whole like overhaul. So I'm I'm curious about that. I mean, I'm not going to buy any new hardware at this point, but, but uh, right, right. I'm curious about it anyway. Yeah, that's MIDI hardware gets to be a very expensive hobby. It does. You know, when when uh, uh, one piece is is six or seven hundred dollars. You know, oh, you, oh, if, if you're if you're cheap, yeah. if you're if you're cheap about it, yeah, yeah. I've got a I've got a uh, um, a novation. Uh, MIDI controller and a Novation keypad. Nice. And uh, yeah, the problem with the Novation stuff is that the drivers go obsolete, you know, because mm-hmm. they decide to, oh, we're not going to support this beyond, you know, Windows 95 or whatever it was. Yeah, and then I don't the, think that's and, just Novation. Yeah, and then you find, and then you find that uh, the instrument that you've been that you've loved and you've been basing all your stuff on no longer works. 
Yeah. For through no fault of your own. Yeah. So, you know, uh, using using what you're doing, uh, uh, Cubase and uh, track doing your own tracks with real instruments is an advantage there, definitely. I suppose it is. Yeah. Um. Ah, it's just it's just how I work. So to me, uh, it's, it just makes sense, I guess. So you lay down uh, the guitar tracks first, and then the vocals, or the other way around, or sometimes, sometimes it, it all depends on the song. Sometimes, um, usually, I've got the lyrics um, kind not worked out, but I kind of have an idea of what the lyrics are going to be. So I sort of have an idea for the um, the mood of the song. And so I'll sit down and kind of work some things out and I might write it on guitar and then I'll record the guitar to a click track and then start putting in drums and other stuff. Uh-huh. When I do that, I invariably end up re-recording the guitar. Huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and other times I will just kind of sit down and start like messing around with drum loops or whatever. I'll, I'll uh, sometimes I'll just, um, I'll sit out on, on the deck with my iPad and some headphones and just make some stuff up. And uh, then go dump that into Cubase, and it may or may not ever see the light of day. And um, it, it just kind of it, it depends on where where the energy flows, I guess. Uh, I hate to sound all uh, uh, hippie about it, but, uh-huh. uh, but there it is. So do you use do you use click tracks as a uh, as sort of a, a, a center framework a lot, or is it just something yeah. that you do? Okay. Yeah. If if I'm not um, if there, if the drums aren't already there, then I need a uh, tempo right. to uh-huh. to you know put everything around. So I'll, I'll record the guitar to a click track first. Yeah, very cool, ladies and gentlemen. We have been talking to Mike Bryant, aka Kraken, not stirred, one of the better fandom musicians out there. I'm I'm so glad you were able to join us on this episode of the Event Horizon. We've been waiting to talk to you for a long time. <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit of an adventure getting this one to work with our schedules and the time zone differences and such, but I'm glad I'm here. Yeah. Well, we're glad you made it. Good. <laughs> you have been listening to episode 243 of Sci-Fi.Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for Saturday, July 23rd, 2022. Our guest this evening has been Mike Bryant, best known to Sci-Fi.Radio listeners as Kraken, not stirred. This episode will air again at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow afternoon, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode as a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and on our own website at sci-fi.radio. Sci-Fi.Radio is listener-supported Sci-Fi Geek Culture Radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. If you enjoy programming like what you just heard, we ask you to please visit patreon.com slash sci-fi radio and pledge $5 or $10 a month to help keep the station on the air. That's patreon.com slash sci-fi radio. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by Sci-Fi illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2022 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Sci-Fi.Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.